G'day, you're listening to the Virtual Staff Room and this is episode 44, A World of Difference. Hi, my name's Chris Betcher. Thanks for joining us on the Virtual Staff Room. Well, it's good to be back. Um, <laughs> how many times have I said that on this podcast? Where I have these long sabbaticals where we don't record anything and then suddenly we're back. Um, so we are in this case. Um, and thanks to Michael Graffin. Michael Graffin is a listener of the Virtual Staff Room. And uh, Michael wrote to me the other day and said, Are you going to do any more episodes or what? <laughs> And I thought, hmm, good idea. Got any suggestions? And he did. So uh, Michael is the guest on this show. And um, Michael dragged in uh, a, a friend of his, uh, Teresa Allen, who um, teaches in the States, in uh, Chicago, or just outside Chicago. And then uh, I threw it open on Twitter and said, uh, we're talking about this topic of um, global collaboration, global classrooms. Does anyone want to join? And uh, couldn't have had anyone better put their hand up than Lisa Parisi from New York, from Long Island, who uh, has done tons of this stuff. And... Um, Lovely lady, I got to meet Lisa last year when I was in ISTE, uh, when her and Brian Crosby and I and Sharon Peters all went out for lunch, which was lovely. Anyway, enough reminiscing. Um, so so what we're talking about in this episode is uh, global collaboration and this whole idea of working in a global classroom. Uh, Michael, I think, has a really interesting story to tell. He's only been teaching for a couple of years and has never had his own class. He's a relief teacher or a substitute teacher, as you would say in the States. And... Um, uh, Michael kind of got this whole global classroom project thing running um, thanks to his personal learning network and connections he'd been making and he just decided to make it happen. So uh, that's a part of what we'll talk about. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I think just talks about, you know, like usual, we start talking about technology, we end up talking about great teaching. So there's some really interesting ideas in here. I hope you find them useful. Here we go. Episode 44. Thanks for listening. Thank you all for joining us. This is great today. We're talking about the idea of working in a global classroom and we're joined with uh, three uh, wonderful educators from different parts of the world today. So over in Western Australia, here in Australia, we've got Michael Graffin. G'day, Michael. Hello, Chris. How's things in the West? Yeah, yeah pretty good. Hot here today. Yeah? That's good. Always hot there. Wait for the doctor to come through in the afternoon. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Uh, and over on the other side of the pond, uh, we have uh, Teresa Allen. Hi, Teresa, in Chicago. Hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Great to be invited. And just a little bit further over the other side there is uh, Lisa Parisi in New York, a Long Island to be exact. G'day, Lisa. Good day. <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't say that right. Good day. Yeah, it's kind of a good, good day, not a good day. <laughs> it's all in the intonation. Um, so thanks all three of you for joining us. This is great. Um, uh, we, we're going to talk about working in a global classroom. This um, podcast idea actually came from Michael, who uh, emailed me the other day and said, um, can we do a podcast about global collaboration and the global classroom project and some different things he was involved in? And um, so Teresa and Michael have been working together on this stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. Lisa uh, responded to a tweet that I put out just asking if anyone else would like to join us. And, of course, Lisa has done tons of global collaboration projects as well. In fact, Lisa, I was just stunned when you threw all the uh, show notes into the, into the Google Doc there, just how much stuff you've been doing and, and winning awards for it and all sorts of things. So we'll be hearing all about that. 
No, I was very, exci- very mm-hmm. excited to see all those links. I'm going to be busy after this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, good. Right. <laughs> it, uh, it speaks to the power of wikispaces.com, I think. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love wikis. Um, so just before we get started, just uh, get you guys to just introduce yourself and just tell people just uh, quickly who you are and what you do, what you teach and all that sort of stuff. So, Michael, we might start with you. Alrighty. Um, I'm a third-year relief teacher uh, in Perth, Western Australia. Um, the last probably nine months or so, I've been heavily involved in global collaboration um, projects um, and, ironically enough, found myself becoming the project coordinator for the Global Classroom Project um, earlier this year. Cool. Um, and you're a relief teacher, did you say? Yeah. So you don't have your own class all the time? Um, Sadly, no. Wow. Um, What is a relief teacher? First, substitute. Substitute, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, Wow, you're doing this as a substitute teacher? Amazing. That's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the first Global Classroom project. All care, no responsibility. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the in his hands. That's why he's... (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of fun that goes on in relief teaching. Mm, wow. That's very cool. Um, yeah. So. Teresa. Yes. Um, I, oh, go ahead. No, what, tell us what you do. I'm a technology uh, coordinator and teacher for um, an elementary Catholic school in um, Joliet, Illinois, which is south of Chicago. I've been teaching there for 12 years as a technology teacher and uh, just recently um, the past two years have been getting involved in global projects and uh, met Michael through the global classroom uh, project I think in the summer as it was over and I was interested in in, um, doing some projects in there and um, we just kind of uh, started talking some more and uh, he saw the things that I was involved in with other global projects and he's like hey let's let's um, get together with this project so fantastic mm-hmm. beautiful well done um and uh lisa okay um i am a classroom teacher in new york i've been teaching for over 25 years um and i right now i'm teaching fourth grade i i did fifth for a while fourth i've taught everything um but right now i'm doing fourth grade and um I, the first global project I ever did was someone on your side of the pond, so they say. Um, Anyone we know? It it was, um, (laughs) I don't know. Is it, is it that small little area? Um, No, she's actually from New Zealand. um, But I, I did a project with um, Alana King. I know Alana. I know Alana. <laughs> no, I've never met her in person, but we used to talk on the on Skype every morning, and we haven't in a while. But, mm. um, but the first global project I ever did was a total um, accident. I mean, it, it was not planned at all. It was it came right, and we won an award for it, and it came right out of um, a question that my students had in class that I needed answered about the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> Huh. And so I just sort of put it out there asking and... Is this the one about got, flushing the toilet? It is. <laughs> I've heard is. that story. That, that was the question. 
Um, yeah, we were talking about the Southern Hemisphere and the differences between the Northern and the Southern Hemisphere. And one of my kids said, I heard the toilet flushes in the opposite direction. And I said, I, I don't know if that's true. And I had just started in um, – I'm a, I'm a webcaster at EdTech Talk. And I had just started working at EdTech Talk. And Chrissy Hellyer yep. is another webcaster there. And so I knew she was from the Southern Hemisphere. So I Skyped her and said, is it true? And she sent us a video of her flushing the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but we really couldn't see. And then all these other questions started coming out. So I just sort of put it out there on Twitter that – you know, we were interested in comparing our hemisphere to the southern hemisphere. Is there anyone available? And Alana said, we have six weeks left of school. We'd love to do it with you. And, <laughs> and, Brilliant. and that, was my, that was my very first global project. It was so <laughs> off the cuff and mm -hmm. so un... Sometimes yeah. they happen that way. Yeah. You just start talking. You're like, oh, let's do this. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's actually the thing. It actually, uh, it doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, I've done ones with kids as simple as, you know, you go out and take a photograph of the sky where you are and everyone posts their their photos to a blog or a wiki or something and compares what the sky looks like in different parts of the world or, or looks at, you know, a clock in your local community. We've done all sorts of really simple stuff like that and it doesn't have to be difficult, does it? No. no the, one, the one disappointment about it was that it was totally asynchronous. Yeah. Because of the time difference. Yeah. So, yeah. so our students, while they learned a lot about each other through the wiki, they never actually connected. Mm. Um, and I've done, I've done projects like that and I've done projects where we have partners in other classes and we, we talk with our partners daily and yeah. it's very different. Yeah, it is. The time zones are difficult mm -hmm. to work around sometimes. Yeah. Okay. I actually had, um, uh, a group of kids from Sweden that every Friday night they would talk to my kids during the school hours um, for two or three months. So that was fun. They, you know, they worked on their English as well as just learning about America. They were just thrilled. But we had a project that we were doing at the same time, but the project kind of got put aside and the talking <laughs> continued. But that's okay. Hmm, that's the best part. That it's that connection and that connectivity and, you know, communication. Those are, those are very vital. Well, I guess mm -hmm. let's just take a back step for a second. And for people who are listening to this podcast who maybe have never done a global project, um, do you guys just want to sort of define it for us and give us an idea about what that actually means when you say do a global project together? Anyone, anyone can jump in on that. <laughs> Come on, Teresa, you're more experienced with this. Ah. Uh. Well, I would say a global project, when you say global, it has to be uh, out of your classroom. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be across the ocean. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be in another city. It could be another school. Um, it could be another classroom, really. Um, but ultimately, you want to have some kind of um, uh, common theme that you're something you want to discover, something you want to learn about, um, in some kind of commonality mm. with each other. So that's what I would say. Just the basic definition of a global project mm. is. Seems just, to me they work really well when you have a, a, some sort of thematic approach where there's obviously something in common, but there's a lot that's different, and and it's in discovering mm. the differences that actually a lot of the value comes from. 
Exactly. Exactly. So you have this common, I would say that common curiosity maybe. Yep. And then you just take that and go with it. Definitely. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Lisa, you were going to jump in there. Yeah, one of the, um, you know, it's interesting listening to this because one of the things that I find more and more is that my most successful global projects are not global projects where we're comparing each other, um, but where we're doing curriculum together. Okay. Mm. Yep. Um, but it usually, that that relationship usually stems from a comparison first. So give us an example of what you mean by that. Um, well, <laughs> my, my favorite partner is Brian Crosby. Yep. Um, in fact, I'll just Good boast, guy. I'll boast that we, our, our book, our published book is finally ready for pre-orders. Oh, well, make sure you put that in the show um, notes. We, we wrote yeah. a book about blogging in the classroom. And um, what the way that we met was through blogging, through his class was blogging, my class was blogging, and our kids started talking to each other about the differences in their blogs. Right. Mm. So it started with this comparison, and then we actually set up a blog assignment um, so that they could compare more and more with each other, and... And it got to a point where we then did a writing project together. Last year, we did a science project together where I was actually, I, I was in a co-teaching environment last year, which means I had another teacher in the room, and Brian didn't. So while the kids were doing science, they were working in groups, and sometimes, you know, they needed like small instruction. So I would do the small instruction with both classes. So while the majority of the students were working, my class with my co-teacher, his class with him, I had like this small group going on through Skype and I'm teaching, you know, children across the country and my students about science. That's very Mm. cool. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was amazing, but it came, it wasn't about let's compare it was, you know, we're yeah. all doing energy. We're learning learning about energy, and so let's do it together. And together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it was in- incredibly powerful. Um, it, the other thing that that was is very powerful with something like that. My students uh, come from a very um, upper middle class area. Um, their education is excellent. They all go to college. Um, their parents are mostly college educated, a lot of doctors. Um, and Brian teaches in an area with migrant workers that and at any day he's going to lose children, get more children. So the education is very, very different for, yeah. for these two groups. So it was very interesting to, to have my students have to teach his students and his students learn from mine and my students had to get some understanding of okay you can't you know be shocked that they don't know what the word genre means when you're talking about Mm. different genres of writing how about you teach them instead what it means instead of just being shocked that they don't know it yeah and it so it it did teach them some 
um, tolerance and understanding even about migrant workers. That's interesting, yeah, because it, it, it's it, that wouldn't obviously happen too easily in a you know, real physical classroom um, mm-hmm. because you do tend to get, I imagine, a fair bit of um, class homogeneity, if that's a word, you know, where you, sure. you get people in the same group who are more or less in the same social SES. SES. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, Michael, I'm, I'm still intrigued by this idea that you do relief or um, um, uh, what's, uh, what's, what's the substitute. word you use in the States? Um, substitute. Relief or substitute. Um, yeah. And you still manage to do this stuff. How do you manage to make that work? Um, the first Global Classroom Project was actually done when I was on a four-week relief placement, ah, um, right, okay. which gave me the opportunity to have the students for longer than a day. Um, it was, I imagine but, that would help a lot. It does. You'd be amazed. <laughs> it's one of the greatest frustrations I have is that I don't get to teach. Yeah. More about tend to babysit. Um, so I had them for four weeks, and I was in a very multicultural school. Um, the kids in my class spoke about nine to ten different languages at home, mm-hmm. um, and we were doing a culture comparison. Um, with a couple of classes around the world, um, New Zealand, Romania, Guatemala, and America. Um, and ironically, this all started with one tweet. Um, I knew I was going to have the class for a couple of weeks and sitting on the computer late at night, and I connected with a lady named uh, Deb Frazier, um, a grade one teacher in Ohio. Um, she was work- looking to work with people on a culture project with her grade one kids, um, so my students were were contributing to a voice thread. Um, we created blogs to posters um, because not everyone was particularly keen on uh, contributing to the voice thread. Um, but even though that one only ran for four weeks, it was the relationship we started to form with the teachers, which meant. Mm that we could create Global Classroom 2011-12. The ironic thing that we found with 2011-12 was that we wanted to, Deb wanted um, someone from, a teacher or class from six continents. Um, The only way I knew to find people like that was to tweet it. Um, So when we had, we had about 15, then we had 20 teachers and then we had 30, but the time we got to 50, we realised that we might actually have to do something a little bit different. <laughs> so this just grew from a kind of a just a really organic you talking to a few people into something that was kind of like almost an organised project. Well, yeah. you tweeted it out, didn't you, Michael? Yeah, Looking I had for... to take responsibility for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So I didn't realise that. Uh, I mean, I knew you were involved with this thing called the Global Classroom Project, and you can you can tell me a little bit more about that. But I didn't realise you kind of instigated the whole dealio. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> Yeah. Um, the original idea comes from Deb Frazier. Um, the idea for building it into what it's become um, was born out of reality that we've had 40 teachers at one point and we just couldn't do one project. So I said, oh, I'll actually have to uh, sit down and think this through. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's what's become. We 
put out a Google survey um, and we just asked people, how do you want to collaborate? What do you want to do? And um, that's how we found people like Teresa, um, Tina Smith, uh, another flat classroom teacher. Um, there's qu quite a range of uh, global collaboration experts were contributing their ideas. Okay. Um, and that's basically this is what I where love about the internet from. so much, Michael. Is that is that it completely democratizes. You're a you're a teacher who's been teaching for three years. You don't even have your own class as such. Just and, over just over two years. Yeah. And here you are, kind of you know, rounding up people together for this global mm -hmm. collaboration thing. And it it wasn't because. You know, the uh, the education board gave you the go-ahead or someone approved it or, you know, you do special training. It's just it was a good idea. I think I'll do it. And, and it happens. I love that oh, about the that's internet. exactly. Yeah, it couldn't have done it without <laughs> Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the Twitter I think, PLN. I think that's a really important point to make because one of the um, one of the biggest questions I get when I have – you know, like when I'm doing projects and I, you know, like I'm Skyping somebody in from Africa on Tuesday for a global project that I got caught up in from someone in China. I mean, this is, you know, and, and it's not, I know it sounds like amazing, but, and I guess it is, but it's so like common what we do in the classroom and everyone's always like, well, how do you know all these people? Yeah. Yeah, and you once have you to start. put yourself out there. You have mm -hmm. to put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And then once you start, I don't know if this has happened with you. It just, it just grows. It blows up basically. I, <laughs> I mean, I've only been doing this for you know. Last year was my first. Last August, last September, was my first really you know global kind of um, uh, projects that I was doing yeah, and yeah. amazing. That, that uh, you you connect with one person, then there's several others that they are friends with. Hey, join us! And I mean, it's just great. I love it. As a teacher, I think I found Tina through you. Yeah, as, I think you did. Yeah. I was just going to say, as a teacher, I I mean, I guess I was an early adopter on some of this stuff because we were doing this back in the sort of late '90s, um, and and I. It felt to me like once you've done this kind of work, once you've done global collaboration and you realise that there really aren't the sort of boundaries that you imagine in, in, in education and you can connect kids in really interesting ways and work on projects that are um, kind of bending the rules of the curriculum almost a little bit. Uh, well, that's what I was doing. But once you do that, you never look at education the same way again. You never get that genie back in the bottle. Um, I, I could never... I mean, I walk into classrooms where people have never done this stuff and, and they're teaching in very traditional kind of ways that aren't project-based even in the classroom, let alone, you know, across classrooms. And I just think, I could never go back to that again. Do you guys feel that? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, I was leafing in a Catholic school in my local area and I walked into a class and they were studying worksheets on countries around the world and I'm just sitting there thinking, oh my God, I couldn't do it. You're looking at these worksheets going, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> I can't look at education. I can't look at teaching in the same way anymore. That's um, so fascinating. You know, if, I'm, if I'm going to be studying um, right, 
ancient civilizations. I've got a contact in Greece, so you can talk to kids in Greece about, mm-hmm. you know, current Greece as well as ancient Greece. You know, it's you just can't teach them the same way anymore. Yeah. And you just look at it and you think, if I find this boring, what are the students thinking? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lisa, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but uh, I went to one of your sessions at ISTE, the one you did on Understanding mm-hmm. by Design. Yes. And it was plainly obvious to me that you and Brian are really excellent teachers. I mean, you just you understand the process of teaching, the pedagogy behind it. The You obviously love kids. Um, I'm just wondering, I mean, do you feel a lot of that great teacherness, if I can put it on you, um, <laughs> has come from this sort of experience that you've built around this stuff? Or is it the other way around for you? I think that we do what we do because we care so much. Hmm. Okay. You know, I I don't think I I think if I if I wasn't, you know, such a great teacher, okay, I'll take that. Um but you know, if I if I wasn't such a good teacher and if I didn't care so much about bringing, you know, about just bringing excitement to the classroom, I would right. not be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to be, and you have to be um, willing to try. You know, it's scary when you first start. Oh, like yeah. blogging, blogging for me was uh, very scary because we had some um, uh, some negative uh, th- effects with blogging outside of our cla- uh, school. But you know, um, and so we didn't want to blog. Yeah. Can you? I just can't imagine not blogging now. <laughs> no. That, that And that's um, something that I still try to overcome when I talk to other people. You know, they're like, but I don't want to put myself out there, but I don't want to go on Twitter. I don't want – or they'll put like a fake name on or something. I mean, I'm actually L. Parisi on Twitter because when I first went on in 2007, I wasn't sure I wanted people to know if I w- that I was a woman. Mm. That's interesting. And so I'm El Parisi instead of Lisa Parisi. Everywhere else, I'm Lisa Parisi, and it drives me crazy now that in Twitter I'm El Parisi. But people know who I am, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah. But even then, like even though I was nervous, I wasn't. I knew I wasn't going to put something like you know elementary teacher or something like that. I wanted. I I had made a decision that I was putting myself out there. Um. And that's very hard for some people, you know, because we hear all these horror stories about what goes on out there. And I, you know, I have met people in person that I met online. I have roomed with people (laughs) that I didn't know till I walked into the room. And, (laughs) um, you know, I do things like that, that, you know, I think that this is the world now. And... Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. some of my best friends are online. I mean, Alana, I've never met her in person, ever. And yet, we would have the most in-depth, private conversations you could imagine. Um, mm. And I, you know, and I never even met her. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, Kim Cofino and her husband Alex were in Australia recently. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, most of you probably know Kim. Yeah. Know mm-hmm. of Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know she was in Australia, and I said we should catch up. And she ended up staying here New Year's Eve because it was 
convenient. And, and mm. we're sitting around the table and she goes, I hope you guys really don't mind that, you know, that we've come to, to stay. I feel bad imposing. And I went, you know what? This is the whole point to me mm. of making contacts and friendships with people online is so that one day you can actually turn that into a real contact and a real friendship in, in the flesh. I, I think that's yeah. a wonderful byproduct of of this. And I know a lot of people look at that really strangely and go, wow, you had like this internet stranger in your house. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but it's not like that. It's, it's like the, these are just real friends that you've never met yet almost. Right. Yeah, I, I can agree completely. Um, I've been able to meet about three people who I originally met online. Um, I was in the country for the last couple of days actually with two people of my PLN, um, Joe Hart and Phil Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I, was, I found them through a connection who was in Sri Lanka at the time, in English but in Sri Lanka, Clive Sir. Um, and the friendship we formed, you know, this is about the third time I've uh, been up at their place up in the country. Um, I met a guy, uh, he flew in from South Australia, um, you know, and we're hoping to present at um, the Computers and Education Conference in Perth later in the year. Um, oh, yep. You know, it's these connections that were originally made online, but they translate into real-world friendships. Yeah, um, totally and it, it does really, really does have an impact on you personally as well as professionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And, and I think that that is probably the most important thing that people need to understand about global projects, that they only happen if you if you are making connections because... Who else would you do? I mean, who, how, you know, the only way, reason I knew to call Chrissy to ask about the, which way the toilet, you know, water goes, flushes down, was because I had put myself out there and met her. Yep. Um, and there are things that happen, you know, I have, um, like, the people from Brain Pop are coming to my classroom to visit me next week. I'm so excited about this. My kids are dying. They're so excited. <laughs> and it's all because I have met the person who is like the PR person for Brain Pop and we talk online. Um, you know, I was just asked to contribute to a book about universal design for learning that came out of being online. I have a second book contract because I've been online. Um, my first book is something that, I mean, who would ever have thought I'd write a book on blogging? I don't even like to write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and But, you know, like I'm, I write articles and I write blogs for people and, you know, Smart Tech just asked me to blog for them. This all, and people are like, how do, how do you do all this and how does it happen to you? And I'm like, well, you know, I put myself out there and and people come to me. And the, 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 the frustrating thing and about you have that, that... Sorry, Teresa, you go. Well, I was just saying, you have that passion, too. You yeah. know, you have that, uh, you know, you like this. You've got this pa- right. Every time, I don't know if that, if you feel like when someone calls you or when somebody wants to interview you or somebody wants to do this, you just get all, you know, that just, yes. I don't know, just makes it all more worthwhile. Yeah. It's yeah. true. It's true. Because it is fun and it is exciting. And, you know, one of the things that I um, felt when I went to ISTE, I spend a lot of my time trying to convince other people to do these things. Hmm. And and all I hear is I don't have the time or it's too scary, I can't or I can't put my kids on there, it's too dangerous. 
Um, and then I go to ISTE and I'm surrounded by people who understand exactly, you know, why I do this. And that's why I like being interviewed too, because yeah. it, it drove home for me that um, you've all no doubt seen that um, uh, Steve Jobs's commencement speech that he gave at mm. uh, where, mm-hmm. Stanford, uh, where he makes that comment about, you know, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. You can't connect the dots looking forwards. <laughs> and that's mm. so true because if you say to someone, okay, here's the reason why you should develop your PLN, why you should work collaboratively and meet people online and, and do these projects and whatnot. There's no clear, obvious path that says if you do this, you'll get that, and then if you do mm. that, you'll get the next thing. But you you can only look backwards yeah. and go, I never would have been here had that not happened, had that not happened, had that not happened. Right. It was because I did that. Um, mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. interesting, and that's something that makes Builds. it so hard mm-hmm. to explain to people is because there is no forward-looking pathway. There's only a backward-looking pathway. Right. But I, but yeah. I think yeah. people should be able to see – you know, when I, when I, my kids get this, my kids are always like, you know, people from all over the world, because whenever we're talking about a place, like I can always say, oh, you know, I'll call <laughs> this person and we'll talk about mm-hmm. this. Or, you know, I run the Global Awareness Club and whenever something's going on in the world, we call in somebody from mm-hmm. that place. The teacher, you know, teachers see me do this. They see it happening and they ask me, how do I know all these people? I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> you know it just starts yeah. with a person. It really does. For me, the having a PLN has eased the isolation and the frustration because, mm-hmm. you know, in my part of the world, I teach. In well, a, especially a, where you are, yeah. Mm-hmm. I teach in, yeah, exactly. Um, I teach in a predominantly low socioeconomic area. Um what I do is completely alien for many people. I've only met one, maybe two people who are actually interested in experimenting. I hope to work with one of them next year. Um, you know, I went to the state IT conference and it was just wonderful to actually meet someone who knows and understands what I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. You know, I now have contacts all over the world. I've got friends all over the world. Um, we can work together. I don't actually. I haven't actually met most of them, um, but I'm not alone. You no. know, and it's at, as as a beginning teacher, although I'm technically coming it towards the end of my graduate years. I still haven't had a class of my own, but <laughs> it was frustrating. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you do, mate, you're gonna you are gonna be so well placed to be, you know, to evolve right. to evolve exactly. into the right kind of teacher that those kids really need. You know, right. I feel now I can go anywhere in the I can go to the bush, I can go to the other side of the world, the other side of the country, but I've already got the network. Yeah. You know, network yeah. of contacts, people I work with, the relationships with Deb Frazier in America and with Teresa. You know, it's the relationships which you take with you. Yeah, it's not it tied to one school, one place, and when you leave, you lose it. Hmm. Very true. Good. Yep. Um, Love it. I'm just looking at the list of stuff you guys have suggested talking about here, and uh, there's some good topics. Um, the some of the do you want to talk about some of the tools, or do you want to not get down to tools level, or like is that important? Well. I mean, you've mentioned Twitter, and I think Twitter has evolved into this amazing sort of tool for – it's like the glue that tends to hold and all Skype. this stuff together. Glue mm-hmm. and uh, – yeah, Twitter and Skype. Um, mm-hmm. But you've listed things here like Edmodo and Facebook. You want to just – anyone want to talk about that? 
Well, I'd pick up on that one. Sure. Um, what we have in Global Classroom 2011-12 is we've tried, I've set it up as a community. Um, because when, when we were starting this, we had 50 people, um, K to 12 teachers. Um, and I made a decision then and there that I wasn't going to do all the work. Um, good plan. It was a good, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's set up, so we've got a team of teachers in about six or seven countries running different things. Um, the whole purpose of Global Classroom is basically to connect teachers uh, at the level where they're currently at. So we have a Skype group, um, which was created by Stefan Nielsen in Denmark, um, which has proved to be the most incredible, it's mainly I instant messaging chat, um, but we have people on the Skype group who we will not be on Twitter for many years to come, right, who right. are collaborating on Skype. Um, that's how we found our friend in Nepal. There's a lady in Taiwan, um, lady in Bulgaria. Um, Facebook, you can't find people on Twitter, but they'll be on Facebook 24-7. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we have a Facebook group which is run by a lady named Karen in South Africa. Um, Edmodo, um, that's Teresa and... Tina Smith's mm-hmm. bright idea. Um, <laughs> so we also have yeah. email email lists, another of t- a certain person's bright idea. Um, Google. Yep. Google Apps. <laughs> uh, email lists. Oh, I think email lists get a bad rap. I still think they are amazingly powerful communities, email lists. Oh, they are. I'm a bit like old-fashioned that way. <laughs> like Oz teachers. Um, exactly. We've got the, we've got the wiki... Um, We've got Google spreadsheets with email addresses if people want to find an email address of someone in another country. Um, and then, where's, so all, where's all easy. this tied together? This is on the wiki? This is all, this is all of... via the wiki and right, the blog. Okay. So yeah. if I go to the wiki here. Well, I just joined the wiki, so... Or I tried to. Someone has to let me in. <laughs> yeah, we've got, I've been on holiday, so there's a long list <laughs> of people who have joined the wiki. <laughs> I've just joined too. That's great. Go. How many do you think there, there is now, Michael? Um, nearly 175 from My 32 goodness. countries. That's great. And this was just since September or August yeah. or something. August, mm-hmm. so yeah. four months. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, we're going to I'm going to be modifying the wiki a bit, so um, because a lot of what we do is sent out by email. Um, but we've had a lot of confusion with that. Um, people joining the wiki and not giving us their email address, so. We're going to fiddle around with that, and so it makes it a bit easier. Right. Um, because email is one very quick way of getting to a lot of people very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we it's also have question. Twitter. So. Mm-hmm. So I'll let Teresa talk about Edmodo because that's her idea. Talk about Edmodo. Edmodo. Yeah, that's been proved yeah. to be amazing. It really has. Um, we just, uh, Tina and I um, created uh, just the first the Edmodo teacher or the Global Classroom teacher um, uh, group in Edmodo. And then we also have, I think, three groups. Um, so it's like K to two, yeah. three to five, and six to eight or something like that, groups in Edmodo as well. And uh, Tina runs the, the K to 
three, I think it is. And she just puts a, just like a, um, this is the January uh, topic. And then it's all discussion. So it is, it is these little, you know, second, third, first graders, you know, that are coming into Edmodo and they're, and they're um, discussing what January is like and and where they live. So, you know, very simple. Uh, It takes one class period, you know, if that, and um, it's, and then you can, it's asynchronous, um, but still, you've got that um, communication and uh, and that connectivity, which I really like. Um, and we share things in Enmodo as well. The teachers share share things, ideas, you know, um, and then we, we we ask questions and we have, we have you know help there. Is and it's been a great experience. Mm. And I've been at Enmodo probably a year now, so I'm. New and everything, it seems like, but it, it you just you just get into this groove and it just makes sense. I don't yeah. know how to explain it. One of my buddies here in uh, in Sydney, uh, Henrietta Miller, she's a um, teacher at a uh, Year Five class, and she swears by Edmodo. She just loves it, and I think it's essentially one of those tools that um, once people latch onto, they just fall in love with it, and they just really really like what it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep hearing that from different people. I I use Edmodo with the kids, um, and in fact, this Reading Across the Globe project that I got hooked up to from someone in China, um, we used Edmodo for the kids to have discussions. You know, they were comparing different places around the world, and uh, you know, and each when we set up these little groups of the t- for the topics, and each teacher. Um, worked with a group, and it was really, you know, it's a great way to do it. Yeah, I might, I can actually put you in touch with a couple of teachers who'd be interested in talking to you about that. Because, See, um, there we go. A couple of teachers I know who are. <laughs> Let me hook you up. That. <laughs> That's all it exactly, takes. Exactly the same idea. Well, yeah. I'm, you know, what? While you're looking for things to hook people up to, mm-hmm. um, I just, I have two projects going on right now that I really would love participants for. Um, one is called myvirtualusa.wikispaces.com, although it's turned out not to be Virtual USA because there were people who came to me and said, I want to be part of this and I'm not in the USA. I was like, okay, I already named it, but sure. <laughs> um, so um, that's a, that's something that um, we're going to be throughout the year comparing our where we live to everywhere else, um, our region, our area, um, in geography, government, and economics. Um, and I just started one with Brian called Point of View Writing Project, where you sign up and then you you either partner up or we will partner you up and you come up with a topic for the children to compare. So Brian and I are partnered and what we're doing is he studies Mesopotamia and I study explorers. So we're going to be looking at the explorers that go to the Mesopotamia, you know, to the Aztecs and um, we're writing a book from two points of view, from the Aztec point of view of the first and from the explorer point of view of the first encounter. Wow. And they're going to be partnered up to do this. So we would love to have other people come into this project. 
So what grade are you looking? What grade? It really doesn't matter. Um, Right now, I have a fourth, a fourth, and a sixth. I mean, we just sort of put it out there not too long ago, so not too many people have signed up. You're more than welcome to put it on the wiki and the blog if you like. Well, I have to um, be invited into the wiki first. <laughs> yeah, you come have on, to Michael. Wait. Get it together. <laughs> oh, all right. I'll process you now, Shello. <laughs> I currently have nine people, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and two of them are here. I'm trying to have a holiday here. <laughs> now, Chris, do you mind if I uh, say, just talk about one of the projects that I have in Global Classroom sure, as well? Sure, please do. Okay. Um, just, just one. Like yeah. so, well, sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. I was just thinking, you know, to get more people to that to your wiki as well. But I have the hero um, uh, project, um, uh, hero and voice what? Thread. Yes, the hero voice thread project, and um, the students. I had sixth grade do this, and they um, they chose a hero, and they, you know, they wrote three essential questions. Uh, well, one is one question they answered was, you know, what um, what is a hero? And then the other two is, okay, now what did this person do and how did this, you know, affect other uh, people, um, you know, to, in order to be a hero, you have to, you know. So I thought that was a great project. Um, just my students are on right now, so I, I'm hoping that we can get some more, um, some more students, more heroes on our hero project just to make it global. Mm. We just have our American heroes right now, so it would be nice to have global it would effect Teresa can you just make sure we have a link directly to that in the uh, show notes definitely so we can point people over there that'd be great okay you know you keep hearing this all these things you guys talk about are these brilliantly simple ideas that Mm -hmm. are so powerful Um, and I think that's what jumps out at me about all this okay so question for you though Um, how do you make sure Obviously, there's a fair bit of work in order to make this happen. There's a fair bit of work to make them powerful. How do you make sure that the bang for the buck you get is worth it? And by that, I mean there are going to be teachers that go, oh, this looks like an interesting idea, but you know, I, I, I can see I might put hours into this and at the end of the day not, quote, cover the curriculum. How do you make mm. sure that there's a certain degree of rigor or, um, and I hate that word, but like there's a certain degree of you know, rigor beyond the fact that it's just interesting and engaging. Does that make question make sense? Yeah. Very, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I um, create most of my projects Yep. for just that reason. Um, but the, but uh, there have been times when I've joined projects and then changed them <laughs> um, <laughs> because you know, I I do need to fit them into my curriculum or make them more rigorous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes they're just, uh, you know, the, the ideas that people have to do projects. And people come to me a lot and say, I really want to do a project with you. And their ideas are just way too simplistic for, you know, for my needs. So I, I say, that's great. And let's add this. And why don't we do that? And maybe we want to look at it this way and so where do you okay so uh, where do you find the balance point then between when a kid says which way do the toilets flush in the southern hemisphere <laughs> and you go 
that's a good question. Let's find out. Let's get online. Let's see if we can find someone. Let's get them to take a photo and blah, blah, blah. And you go through that whole process. Whereas the, the alternative point of view that's less pedagogically sound but way more efficient is to simply say, no, they don't, and move on. <laughs> so where's the balancing point between how much time you're prepared to devote to a kid finding out an answer for themselves versus saying, no, let me just answer that for you so we can get other stuff done, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I just did a, um, I'm still doing a, a survey on global collaboration, and that's what one of my questions was. How are these projects infused in your curriculum? How do you do that? And mm-hmm. one teacher um, just said, any way I can, <laughs> wherever <laughs> I can fit them. You know, so I mean, I guess, I, go ahead. No, go finish, sorry. I'm a New um, Yorker. I tend to cut people off. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm Italian and I do that too. No, I'm um, But uh, excuses. <laughs> losing train. But you know the the when you have that passion, when you have that desire, when you know you know unconsciously or something that this is right. You know that the global collaboration. That you'll fit it. You'll right. fit it in. See, and, and I, don't, I don't see it as fitting in. I see it as the, this is what I do. So the question that you asked about, like, why did I, you know, get on Skype and call Chrissy and then have Alana do this whole project with me, you know, why did I do that? It's because it's what I do. Right. Um, it, it makes more sense for me to knock my walls down and have the kids know that that there are other people out there that they can get help from. I mean, I've done simple things like when my kids wanted to do a project in uh, in um, frames. And I didn't know how to use it. I just sent out a tweet saying, can anyone come Skype in with a group of my kids to teach them this? And mm-hmm. someone did. Um, I had an opportunity t- um, last week, This, pe- yeah, last week, to um, join a Skype call with a scientist who studies giant squid. We're not doing anything with giant squid in our classroom. Right. It was a half an hour. And my kids were, and I actually got the whole fourth grade involved, they were amazed and amazing. You know, for that half hour, it didn't matter that we were supposed to be doing math or writing or what what those children learned is, well, they learned a lot about giant squid. Hmm. But they also learned that there are people out there that when you have a question about something, that there are people you can go to. Yeah, that's the real unstated learning, isn't it? Is that there, mm-hmm. there is always an answer and, and being connected can help you find it. Right. I mean, I've set up projects before where, like, I had my kids doing a geography project. We were pretending that we were going to a new planet and they had to figure out how we were going to settle there using resources and basically the you know surprisingly enough that planet looked exactly like the area that we live in in new york (laughs) um so so it basically was to show them how native americans lived off the land and used resources in housing and shelter and transportation and i had them 
I set it up so that a friend of mine who teaches social studies, Paul Bogish, if you don't know him, he's a fabulous person to know. Mm -hmm. um, he teaches social studies in Connecticut. And I had his students, he's in high school. I had his students be the experts for my students. So when my kids had questions that needed to be answered, they went to him. We just Skyped them in. Yeah. And and they and he's so cute because before they Skyped, they had to put on like a science lab coat because <laughs> they were our scientists. Right. And then my kids would ask them questions about, well, what can you do with coal? If coal is, um, you know, one of the resources, what can you do with it? Now, could they have gone online and researched that? Yeah, but it was so amazing to them that they could go to someone and and get that answer. You know, we've had musicians come in and we've had authors Skype in and scientists Skype in and and you know, whenever whatever they're interested in, whatever comes up in our classroom, it just starts a conversation. Hmm. Yeah, it's a great way to teach. It's it certainly is I mean, I don't think anyone in this particular discussion would would um question any of that. I do sometimes wonder how we convince the, the great unwashed masses of, of the teaching community well, who have I, not yet I discovered that, this, though, I who still see it as a way of saying this is more work than I, I have time to do. And curriculum really does tie things down. I, you know, in the district that I'm in, because it is this very high-achieving district, our curricular requirements are very, very high. Mm. Um, and our test scores better be very, very high. Mm -hmm. um, and yet I still, you know, my students do as well as or better than the other students on the same grade in our district because of the experience they have. You know, if we're talking about a writing assignment, how much more motivating can it be to do a writing assignment where thousands of people are going to see your writing because you put it on a blog. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to let's tape it to the bulletin board now so that anyone who walks by in the hallway can see it. <laughs> um, you know, and it, and it ups the ante for them. Like, okay, so we're doing writing and I have to do – I mean that whole point of view project came out of the fact that I have to teach point of view. Mm. And I have to teach exploration. Yeah, and so I said, "Why don't we do this?" You know, um, that's the point that I think gets so often missed is when 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 you suggest these things to some teachers, they will go, oh, "That's a great idea. I'd love to do it. Uh, if I can get through the other stuff, I'll see mm -hmm. if I can I can find some time at the end of the you know term or whatever." Uh, right, it's kind yeah. of missing the idea. I think is is this that this, this is the stuff. This is the work. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not like we're playing, and I know that that's. The idea that a lot of people have that we play in our classroom. Mm. We do a lot of playing. And the reality yeah. is we're doing the same curriculum and the same work that everyone else is doing. We're just doing it with a lot of other people. Mm. Sorry, Lisa, what year group is this? Four, you said? Yes. Yeah, so that's um, eight, nine year olds. Right, right. Yeah. Do you think this sort of approach is just as valid as you get into the high school years, especially into like, the senior high school I, years? Or does I it think become more so. More so? It okay. might wake them up. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by my high school experience. Yeah, that's very um, true. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I see what my daughter is doing. My, I have a daughter in high school, and I see the things she's doing, and I think, wouldn't it be cool to hook up with? I mean, last year she took a European history class, and not once did they contact anyone in Europe. Like, exactly. why would you not do that? You know, like I have you, that same, yeah. Same thing with you know, frustrating for us. Well, it's, it's frustrating there, for you. Like, my, my daughter goes to the school I teach at. <laughs> oh. Occasionally she brings home work and I look at it and she has to say, Dad, Dad, just no, mm. don't call the school. <laughs> well, exactly. My daughter says that to me all the time. Because I'm always like, Oh, let me tell you about this site. Let me tell you about that site. And, she, and you know, can I bring it into your teacher? No, Mom, no. Just leave it alone. Mom, just stay it has out. nothing yeah. to do with you. This isn't your education. Or she'll have to do a project, and I suggest like an online tool to do the project. No, we're not doing that. Mm. Um, I was excited. My my daughters are also in high school, and um, they. I just heard my freshman daughter uh, just got on Edmodo. I was like, yay! <laughs> so I was excited about that. Yeah. Well, I do have kids who leave my class and leave my school go into the middle school and high school and then I have those teachers contact me saying you know so and so is insisting that I talk to you about blogging or you know wants me to talk to you about skyping because they're doing a project or is there any help you can give me with this because I'm like yes my kids are going to teach them no one else does the kids the kids kids become ambassadors really the kids Mm -hmm. they do Mm-hmm. And I actually have my freshman daughter. She's um, a youth, um, I guess, a youth board member on a website called KidLink. Uh, they're looking for more youth in the site as well, a global site. So that's f- very good. I think that's great for kids. Yeah, that's really neat. My see, my mm-hmm. daughter, I think, is like completely turned off from the internet because of me. <sighs> well, yeah, they call me a geek. <laughs> yeah. And a nerd. Um, that, that, that's and, and, and she that's does, you know, but she has actually like met people through AIM and through Facebook, you know, in other countries and she talks about them. And then when things happen in those countries, she worries about them, but she doesn't see that as. She isn't connected, huh? Being, no, as being online. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, when she was in middle school all of her friends like somehow on aim yeah they were all on aim at the time connected with this other girl who lived in the area but they didn't know her and they talked to her and they all decided one day they wanted to meet her and i'm you know my parent (laughs) antenna goes up oh no this is going to be like a 50 year old man who (laughs) um so i said okay but i'm going with you and we'll all meet in the mall and you know so it's a public place and I will be there and turns out this girl came with her mother (laughs) who (laughs) said the same thing we're all going to meet together and the mother and I spent some time together talking and the kids got to meet each other for the first time and they had so much fun together and um, you know it's like it's part of it's part of who they are and but she doesn't even think about it as being online I think it's part of a curse of kids who have geek parents. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> my, you know, my daughter and my son when he was at school, you know, they'd come home with with projects, and I go, "Oh, you know what? You know what would be good for this, Dad? 
no, not everything needs yes. to be solved with a computer. <laughs> it's like, right. Well, right, my daughter but, tells you know. me I'm not allowed to do that. Oh, don't <laughs> tell me you're not allowed. Of course you'd be able to. Yeah, exactly. If you're not allowed, you should be. Let me talk to them. <laughs> no, <laughs> you stay out of it. <laughs> well, I'm also the parent and, you know, and people talk to me about this all the time. I am the parent who my daughter and I text during the day. Mm-hmm. She knows when she can text me, you know, when I'm on breaks and um, – but she's not supposed to have a phone. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, at school. <laughs> right. So everyone's like, uh, you know, aren't you sort of breaking the rules? I'm like, well, that shouldn't be a rule. So I'm yeah. not going to give her test answers. The other day she texted me asking me questions. And I said, are you taking a test right now? Because if you are, I'm not helping you. And she's like, no, I'm in study hall and I'm trying to get this information. And there are no computers for me to use. My daughter will Google chat me during the day and I'll go, aren't you in science right now? (laughs) Shouldn't you be doing something else? Anyway, that's what happens when you give them laptops, right? Right. And my feeling is, you know what? You I think they should have this technology, and I think well, they should they, be using it. And, yeah. and all of that is available to them at home, right? So right. why why are we so nervous about using it in school? Well, that you know? and this is my this is my big selling point. This is the way I feel that nobody teaches them at home. They just go online and they do. do it. Yeah, but we have the opportunity to teach them. You know, I can teach my students that when they are talking to somebody online, there's another person there. Mm-hmm. It's not just words. It's an actual human being with feelings. Um, so you need to think about that before you put in, you know, oh, that's a crappy idea and we shouldn't be doing that. You know, no, you don't write that. You just hurt that person's feelings. So yeah. think about it. Yeah. Um, we can teach them these things, you know, we can monitor the chat rooms and we can look at um, the cover it live messages before they go out and, um, and yeah. if, have good teaching you know, and then when, on it too. Right. So then when they go and do it in real life, you know, we should be teaching them about Facebook. Yeah. No, you can't put a picture of yourself drinking. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, I mean, there is, we talk about the online world and the offline world, but it's just the world. And you know, right. it, it is the world, and it's just you know mm-hmm. different manifestations of the world. But really, it's the same set of social skills, isn't it? Yeah. Wow, well, you know, it's so amazing that you just said that, Chris. Because I find myself talking about this all the time. You know, when people say to me, "But you have to do online etiquette first before you ever get them online," I'm like, "But I teach them mm-hmm. respect and responsibility and and compassion and." and empathy i teach them all that so when we go online it's not any different yeah kind of like i manage a digiteam project um for the flat classroom project and um what when they when they have that first initial like when in moto or the name is open it's like mm-hmm. chat city you know mm, right yeah That's and nuts. then they, it's like almost like they have to get it out of them uh-huh. you know oh, absolutely first before they can just and you have to, okay, teaching moment here and <laughs> teaching moment there. But, you know, for the most part, you are right, Lisa. I mean, they if, if you teach them uh, normal, well, I don't know, in a, uh, in a face-to-face <laughs> environment, um, then it, it should automatically naturally carry over to the, um, to the online world. Yeah. And it so, really yeah. is just a matter of reminding them that's a human being you're talking to. Right. 
It's just um, one quick, aha, uh-huh, right. you know. Right. Very true. Yeah. Yep. There's a software program uh, that you can put on your computers to do, monitor certain things called self-control. And, uh, you know, we, we don't use it. We actually like the we... old version of self-control, you know, where you actually teach <laughs> kids to just do the right thing because it's the yeah, right thing. Kinda, yeah, that's kind of scary. <laughs> I mean, I've had situations before. I have – I use Edmodo for book discussions with, in my classroom and um, I had a group and they were all my students. They were reading a book. In and in Edmodo, they were discussing the book, and one of the kids had put something in about a character, and everyone else in the group disagreed with him. So they started having this conversation. Now they're all sitting together, but they're not allowed to talk because I'm doing reading groups and they're supposed to be quiet and reading. And they start putting in things about why they disagree with him, and then they start like making fun of him calling him names and he's laughing and he's calling them names and they all thought this was great fun. And While they're all in the same room. They're all in the same room. <laughs> so they're teasing each other. But what I see is they're insulting each other. Yeah. Right. So they don't quite get it. Yeah. So I call them all over and I say, I'm going to read you this discussion and you tell me what you think about it. And it was a lesson for them to understand that Reading something doesn't always correspond to saying it. Mm. You know, it's like we have to learn about sarcasm online. Mm. You know, that sometimes we're sarcastic and people take it as real and they get insulted. And that's what they were doing. And they do that in face-to-face too. Mm -hmm. Right. But these kids knew that they were kidding around. So the boy that was being teased wasn't insulted because he knew that it was all in fun because they were facing each other. Mm. But – I said, any outsider who comes in will think you are the meanest people in the world. Yep. So I deleted all of that. They were off Edmodo for a little while till they learned how to communicate again. Um, but it, but it was, you know, it was a really interesting lesson for them to understand that you can't speak that way online. You know, it might be okay, you know, in person to say, oh, that was, you know, that was a really dumb thing to do. Ha 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 even though it's still not really nice to do, but it's better in person than online mm. because you can see each other. Mm-hmm. You know, for and a conversation... Yeah, you're missing that. I'm sorry, Chris. You're missing the facial expressions and, right. the, mm. and the body language. That's what you're missing right. online. Right. And so you have to interpret... You have to add that in. Interpret. It is absolutely an interpretation. So you need to be very specific when you're talking online. Yeah. I was just going to make an observation. This is the 44th episode of this podcast I've recorded and I would say that in nearly every case we start off talking about some sort of issue that revolves around the use of technology and it always comes down to the human relationships that are happening in a classroom between teacher and student and and basic fundamental things about actually being human. Uh, exactly. it's, it's just really interesting because uh, you know this whole technology layer that we put on top of education is i mean I, I think it's really powerful i love what it can do but at the end of the day it's all this stuff that you guys are talking about that actually make the big difference and that's why that's the other reason why i don't think that this is something i do in addition yeah that it, it, it it's yeah. just what i did like this is the te- this is it it becomes um, a natural part of your teaching yes you know, it's hard and 
you know, the first time I did a global project, the first time I used some tech tools, it was scary. Um, but over time, it becomes more natural. Um, you know, it's like Twitter was didn't know didn't know what I was doing, but I found um, Clive Sir at Clive Sir, um, and he basically taught me the ropes. And he's one of the most uh, one of the closest friends I have on Twitter today. It all comes down to the relationships. I would bet too, though, Michael, as a relief teacher, as a substitute teacher who you know spends less time with the kids than than a teacher who has their own class, that the use of some of these tools helps you get to know the kids, uh, if not better, then at least quicker. Would that be true? Well, uh, the only time I've ever been able to do it was for those four weeks with right. the grade sixes. Right. Um, and in that time, they literally blew me away with what they knew and what they did. You know, they come from about 10 different countries, spoke nine languages. Um, there's one kid who was a really gifted kid, bored out of her brain in the class normally, but you know, she speaks about five different languages. Um, went to an international school in Indonesia. Yeah. And I'll bet you never uh, would have found a lot of that stuff out had it not been for the walls that came no. down because of what these tools enabled. It's because they were talking to young children around the world. Yeah. It gave them um, an opportunity to share what they knew about their culture, their language. Yeah. And if I hadn't done it, they would have been continued. It would have been bored out of their brain. I would have been bored and uh, I wouldn't have learned anything. Yeah. Um, and it's just had quite an impact on me personally as well as some of the students in the class. Mm, I'll bet. You know, it's interesting. I think about like the first, the first time I brought technology into the room, it was like these Skype calls where we would have my class sitting in front of the camera, the other class sitting in front of the camera, and we'd sort of just wave to each other. Yep. There was absolutely no purpose to the Skype call whatsoever. Um, it was like, let's say hello, 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 hello. Um, <laughs> but that's a good start, though. You it, know? it is, and I actually just had a Skype call like that with somebody because she's just starting out in Skype, and that's what she wanted to do. And I said, okay, that's great, but you know, I'm going to ask some questions so that we can at least you know, learn about each other. Um, and what was so fascinating about that is the teacher, she's the technology person, the teacher in the class is a Native American. Mm. My kids didn't think Native Americans still existed today. Huh. And we're studying them now. And that was like a huge learning experience for them that not only was the teacher Native American, many of the children were, there was a reservation nearby. Um, and so now we have that connection when we really delve into things with Native Americans, we're going to be Skyping back with them again. But awesome. I think about, like, I remember one of my earliest Skype calls was with a teacher who was it, she was teaching English to a group of children in Germany and wanted them to practice their English. And so I said, okay, you know, sure, why not? We'll Skype with you. And what it turned into, it, it didn't stop there. My kids decided they wanted to make a voice thread about how we say things in different languages. Mm. This voice thread, it's probably six, seven years old now. <laughs> People still add comments to it. Wow. What, my, what my students did is they created pages. How do you say? And then it was what they decided kids would want to know like do you want to go to the playground to play 
Um, you know, we started with how do you say hello? How do you say how are you? How do you say um, are you okay? I'm sorry. Are you feeling? You know, like there were all these different things. What do you like to eat? Um, and then my class is very multicultural. So my class started by putting in, you know, in Japanese we say this, and in um, China we say this, and in Hindu we say this, and then all these other people from around the world put in theirs you know, how they say a certain thing on each page of the voice thread. And it all came from this really simple Skype call of, okay, practice your English and talk to us. Yeah. Um, uh, Skype's such an amazing tool. I really hope Microsoft doesn't stuff it up. <laughs> it's really, I'm really <laughs> nervous that they own it. Um, anyway, yeah, hopefully it still, still keeps going. Um, guys, we've been talking for just over an hour, and I, uh, I could, Already. I could keep, I could keep going and talking about this stuff for the next hour, but you know, it's probably <laughs> it starts to exceed what people are willing great. to download. Well, but, and it's uh, almost bedtime for me. I bet it is. Yeah, thanks for staying up. Appreciate that, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I, I will wind it up here, but um, it's been a really interesting discussion, and I hope you know anyone who listens to this, um, you know, if they if they have dabbled with this stuff. I hope it inspires them to go on and do a bit more. And if they haven't, I hope it really you know, inspires them to give it a go because I think the value of what you can get from working collaboratively and, and you know, globally or whatever you want to call it, um, it, it just seems so obvious. And he hearing you three talk, uh, you know, the value of this stuff is, is, you know, it just jumps right out at you. Yeah, so. you can't. You can't put a price on it, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and when it comes to making the connections, you know, this is where what we do is becoming more important. It's finding the people, yep. you know, either via email, Skype, Facebook, you know, through a wiki. Um, you know, I found Deb Frazier at Frazier D via Twitter. Um, who would have thought, looking back all those months, that seeing that one responding to that one tweet would result in what I do today yeah um, and it's all for the students it's all for the kids yeah. you know yeah. mm -hmm. exactly. it's amazing alright well on that note we will wrap things up uh, I might just get you guys to just close off and just tell us uh, where we can find you online in case anyone wants to connect with you so if you have a blog or a, a tweeter or something uh, just uh, let us know what it is so Michael where can people find you um, I'm M. Graffin on everything so at M. Graffin on Twitter uh M. Graffin on Skype. Um, you can email me um, at globalclassroomorganisers at gmail.com. Right. Um, that's Fantastic. on the show notes. All right. Thanks, mate. And thanks for um, kicking me in the butt and, <laughs> and getting this uh, getting this podcast uh, going It was again. Somewhat, somewhat unexpected, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, uh, Teresa, where can people find you online? Uh, Twitter is tdallen5 and Skype the same, tdallen5. And um, my uh, blog is techcsrn.edublogs.org. Sorry. And um, uh, my school, well, I guess that's enough. Yep. No worries. They'll People find can find there. you from there. That's fantastic. Yep. Good on you. And yep. Lisa? I am L Parisi on Twitter and Lisa Parisi everywhere else. Okay. Um, and my blog is lisaslingo.blogspot.com. That's my personal blog, and um, I actually have a link from there to my classroom blog. So fantastic! I might just get you guys to throw those links in the uh, in the show notes as well, if you don't mind, on the Google Doc, and um, I'll make sure that goes online. 
Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a really interesting discussion, and um, let's hope it inspires a few people. Well, thank you for having me. No worries. Catch you guys. I agree. Bye-bye. Bye. Big thanks to Michael, Lisa, and Teresa for joining us on this episode. And you can find this episode along with all the others over at virtualstaffroom.net and get the show notes and everything else uh, over on that website. My name's Chris Betcher. Thanks for joining us. Till next time, catch you later.